0: From Like to Know It, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This summer, I'm traveling across the pond to our London office to sit down with some of the most successful influencers in the United Kingdom. Together, we will unpack the unique personal and professional journeys of these creative entrepreneurs and get to know the whys and hows of the digital businesses they've built. As part of our Summer Abroad mini-series, we will have a new episode for you every week. For four weeks... I'm Amber Vince Box, president and co founder of Reward Style and Like to Know It, and an influencer myself. Welcome to Influencer Radio, Summer Abroad. Model, brand ambassador, campaigner, spokesperson, columnist, and 2018 Like to Know It Voice of Influence Award winner. The queen of confidence, Callie Thorpe, and her digital outlets are lovingly respected as a warm hug to the influencer industry. She's known for her transparent approach and enthusiastic dedication to driving the Love Yourself Body Positivity movement here from the UK. Through her trailblazing Confidence Corner community, she's creating a platform for new voices who are redefining beauty. When you're not seeing Callie on the pages of Vogue, Elle, and Glamour, you'll find yourself being lifted by her wit and wonderlust worthy travel blogging. Today, we're going to talk with Callie about her journey, what's crafted her career and attitude to new acceptance, how to embrace diversity, and using influence for positive change. Callie, we are so thrilled to have you as our podcast guest today here in the UK.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Well, Callie, your story is so different and has unfolded so differently from so many influencers, and I would really love to know... Really, just about your childhood, where did this all begin?
1: Well, I live in London now, but I actually grew up in South Wales in a small town called Newport. And it was a really positive upbringing. I grew up with my nan and my granddad and a single parent household with my mum. And yeah, it was kind of positive. I didn't have a father figure in my life, but I'd say it was just an all-round good childhood. But I'd always kind of suffered throughout my like growing up and being a young teenager with um, weight issues and feeling like, not 100% confident in myself and always feeling like I wasn't quite what I should be and that I needed to change and that I needed to kind of lose weight to be successful. That was the main idea of what I thought I needed to be when I grew up.
0: In Wales, what is that like? For those of us who aren't as
1: familiar with the UK, is that a small town or is it a big suburb of London? Um, no, it's, it's about three hours from London. It's not. It wouldn't say it's like the smallest of towns, but it's definitely, I guess, a bit more rural than London for sure. I think it was difficult growing up um, in a place where I kind of felt a bit different from being bigger and being like slightly plus size, like from when I was, you know, in middle school, or you guys would call it like mid-primary school, we would call it, um, into high school. I just felt like it was definitely harder there's more of a small-minded thought process there and compared to London where people are like hugely diverse and there's a lot of difference and like difference is celebrated I guess it's maybe slightly different there um so that was at times challenging Do you feel like
0: your grandparents were
1: um, advocates for you at an early age or where did you find that strength? I definitely think my, my grandparents, my nan in particular, was a really big driving force in helping me realize that I was beautiful and, you know, deserving of happiness. And she was very loving and she was a really strong female. And that definitely taught me how to be strong and like fight for things that I wanted. And she was just an amazing force in my life. But unfortunately, I lost her at quite a young age. I lost my nan when I was 14 in um, a really sad way she passed away from an immediate heart attack um, and so it was a really difficult change for me going into my teenagehood without my nan who was like such an amazing force in my life and I definitely felt quite alone and really had to kind of work hard to build rebuild that confidence in myself.
0: That's that's such a tragic age to lose anybody but especially I think as a young woman you know that that's a, such a critical period yeah. in your life so um, how was your, you know, were you living with your grandfather then? At that point,
1: so when my nan passed away, I, I was living with my back with my mum. And like I said, my mum was a single parent. I didn't really have a father growing up. In fact, I never knew who my dad was at all. My mum actually fell pregnant when she was twenty three, travelling, working abroad in Spain. I, I feel quite open to talk about it now because I feel like it's definitely been something that's helped shape me. But my my biological father didn't want to be be a parent at that age, and so my mum made the decision to move back to Wales and have me on her own with the sport of my nan and my granddad and it was definitely hard not having like the full kind of traditional family outlook into life and I always thought there was a part of me that was missing but actually upon actually trying to find my dad when I was 29 a couple of years ago I um I realized that actually it wasn't a big part of my life and everything that I've done and built myself you know is is actually nothing to do with not having a, a father figure and i that i did have a really wonderful father figure in my granddad and that you know not having the perfect setup does not define you in fact if anything it makes you stronger and you know it just gave me that bit more of a fight in life and that i could do things by myself as an independent woman and i don't need no man although i do have a man but still <laughs> <laughs> so when you went to go look for your father what prompted you and then what
0: ultimately happened
1: Well, it was actually the idea of, like, turning 30 and, like, I'd never really known anything about him. I just knew that he was from Spain and I never really saw myself in my other family members. I looked very different. You know, my mum was always slim, my nan was slim, my sister was slim. Um, I had, like, dark hair, dark eyes. My family had green eyes and pale skin and so I never really felt like I was, I never saw myself in anybody in my family. And so, my I like real reason to trying to find my father and my other side of the family was that maybe that I would be able to see myself somewhere else but it didn't turn out as I wanted to I actually reached out on social media for help to find my dad and within I think only like seven hours I'd actually found a contact for somebody who gave me his information and I actually sat on the information for a really long time before I reached out because once I had that information and I actually saw I actually saw a photo of him I didn't see myself in him at all and I think I wanted that validation that I could and actually to, to feel like I had no connection to this person it was quite daunting and so when I eventually did write to him he essentially denied wanting to have any relationship and it was quite hard at the beginning because I felt like I had been rejected for a second time by someone who wasn't part of my life. And it was like, I offered myself up for rejection that I would never have needed to go through. Mm-hmm. But it did teach me something really important in, in the fact that everything that I have done and everything I am and everything that I've built for myself is all to do with me. I owe that to myself and to my grandparents and my family that are supportive towards me. That element, not having him wasn't the be all and end all of life. And I think that's such an important message to share that you can empower yourself and you don't need to have validation from anybody, especially not biological family members. So,
0: you know, and that's something that I want to talk about with you a little bit later is these, these kind of sources of strength in your life. But I think that's something that I've seen in my own life and in my Friends life and then in younger children, and it's not always the biological parents that are the ones yeah. that are that are really impacting them. I think that that's a challenge to all of us as adults to think about how are you living out the way that you want the younger people, whether that's a child or a niece or a nephew or even just younger influencers, mm-hmm. modeling that behavior for them. As a new young mom, I, I have come to find that my daughter does what I do and not what I say. Yeah. And I think that that's something that comes out actually through your story of being inspired by other influencers. So we'll get to that. You know, growing up in Wales, what did you do to entertain yourself?
1: Oh, there was everything there that I guess is in London just on a smaller scale. so I always kind of like i was always i guess you say I was kind of popular in school but and I always had like really positive friends, but I also was really big into theater and I loved musical theater and drama and and all those kind of things, which was like a kind of real big passion of mine, and it definitely gave me the outlet because. I felt like when I was on stage and like singing and with other people that I could be a character above myself. And I felt like I always kind of played a character every day playing a bubbly like plus size woman anyway. But when I was behind the scenes in drama, I could be something completely different. I could be whatever character I wanted, not the one that I was playing myself. So it was kind of just a really positive experience. And I just really, really enjoyed it.
0: Would you describe yourself as an extrovert?
1: Oh, absolutely. If anyone met knows me, met me, they would. No one would call me an introvert. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm definitely outgoing. I've always been outgoing. Yeah, I really believe in like embracing that. I think people who um, who are really kind of outgoing sometimes feel like they have to like minimise themselves and be quiet and not be seen. And I don't. I really don't support that message. I really feel like people should be as loud and bold and you know outgoing as they want to because people need like that positive outlook into life. And I like to believe I'm a positive. person. And at least I try to be. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like proud of being an extrovert.
0: <laughs> Did you start working when you were kind of in high school or in college? What, what was your first job?
1: One of my first like real jobs was working in a, a bakery at the end of my road where I have to get up at 5am in the morning it was utter hell I hated it but it was kind of like a lesson in like my first experience in a job of like you know being responsible and having to go in I remember stuff to help set up the shop while the two lady bakery owners would like cook all the bread and the rolls and the cakes and then I would start serving the front counter and then they would leave after two and then I would start closing up and like sweep up and clean up and so yeah it was like a really interesting experience and it was... Uh, I always got lots of free bread. That was always nice to take home. The perks. Yeah, the perks of uh, free bakery stuff. But yeah, it was It was nice. It was a, definitely a, a teaching experience in how to have responsibilities from such a young age. I think I was only 14 when I first started that job, so...
0: That's incredible to be 14 years old. You're starting to work at 5 a.m. Yeah. And then also sounds like you're closing up the shop so they've trusted you to not only open the store but close the store
1: yeah I mean this is a. I know. I actually look back on that I'm not sure I would have given my keys to a 14 year old but I was I guess maybe I don't know maybe I was responsible
0: well you clearly you would have to have a level of respect within your community and also like earn the trust of the store owner and so it's incredible to hear that that's how early your work ethic you know started so After school, did you decide to go to university?
1: I did. So as I mentioned, I really loved like theatre and drama and I decided I wanted to go to university to study that. But actually, in a weird twist of fate, I ended up not studying that as a degree. I I went in studying drama and, and religious studies as another side module, but I really struggled actually studying um, theatre studies at university because the intention was to potentially maybe be an actress or a drama teacher, I wasn't sure. But I really had this, like, secret urge of wanting to be an actress. But I found it really hard um, with the pushback of kind of, like, The reality of what being an actress is. And I was told by a few teachers, you know, is you have to work 50 times harder because you're plus size and that, you know, actresses need to look a certain way. And I found it quite disheartening. And I just don't think I was really ready to put myself through it. So I decided to leave the course. And I actually changed that course to a human rights degree and religious studies degree in in combined. And the intention was to either work for an NGO or for to be a teacher. Um, But I absolutely loved the course. I love the people on the course, and it just taught me so much. And I just I'm really proud to have studied that degree.
0: I'm stuck on what your teacher said to you. Um, I mean, where do you think that that was coming from? Now as an adult looking back, I'm surprised to hear that that was what was communicated to you.
1: I think it's just because in the media, you don't really see a lot of diversity or you definitely didn't, you know, maybe six, seven years ago, There's, there's definitely been a big change. But I think the reality is that people have this ideal of what beauty is and that's it's kind of like very much stuck in a box and so it's always the idea that if you are anything but that you have to work harder because if you naturally fit all the tick boxes, then you are going to get in easier. But if you don't, then it's like you have to prove yourself even more. You have to be even more talented. You have to be a bit better than other people to stand out. Otherwise, you just fall in the background. And so as much as I was an extrovert, I always had this lack of confidence in myself in like how successful I could be because I always felt like perhaps I should lose weight because that would be the only way we would truly be successful. And that was a lot of the messaging that I was taught just from growing up around that kind of messaging in the media. There just wasn't many plus-size women that I could see like myself on TV or in fashion magazines or anywhere really. And so I guess that kind of just stuck with me and that's how I had this kind of messaging to myself. Yeah.
0: I'll say how unmotivating for someone to tell you that you have to be 60 times better than yeah. than somebody else. But you know, you've you pivoted into something that it sounds like you loved. So yeah. what was it about the human studies that that caught your attention?
1: Well, I just really loved the idea of of um, studying other people's cultures and religious experiences and faith and kind of what makes people who they are. And I just, I love diversity. I love learning about other people. And I just think it taught me so much, especially with human rights, about how lucky i am as a person and that you know when you read about the atrocities that happen across the world and you're studying you know about racism and climate issues and all these things that and like the human rights law and everything that i learned it kind of really opened my eyes up and made me be a more empathetic person and try to be more understanding of how Other people experience life that is different to me. And so sometimes that makes you realize that the things that are going on with you are not as important or as bad as they feel inside. I mean, everyone's feelings are valid and relevant, but it definitely made me realize to an extent that sometimes my feelings weren't as as big of an issue as like what is really happening in the world out there.
0: After university, what do you do with a a degree in human rights and religion? Well,
1: I tried when I first graduated. My idea was to either go and work for an NGO, um, a charity or nonprofit. And um, I wasn't 100 percent sure whether I would actually be able to do that. But I did apply for lots of jobs and I just couldn't. I couldn't get in. I just I don't know why, but it was really hard to get into the charity industry. But also, I was toying with the idea of being com- becoming a teacher and studying like a teacher master's degree and becoming a religious studies and human rights teacher. Unfortunately, in the UK, there's quite strict stringent rules on um, having specific qualifications to be a teacher, and one of the requirements is to have a maths GCSE. And I kept failing. I failed three times. One time, I failed twice with the same like actual result is that a ridiculous that's ridiculous isn't it I was so annoyed at myself but I don't know and I think I'm annoyed now looking back at myself because I, I quit I just couldn't do it anymore and I I'm much more of a creative person I really struggle with like analytical things like that with numbers and all those things and it made me so cross because I was thinking like I could be a good teacher but I'm being stopped from doing that because of the fact that I don't have this one thing which I'll probably never need to use in a religious studies lesson but yeah so it definitely navigated me to kind of where I am now So I'm really glad. And I think it was the right thing for me. But it definitely is something I don't necessarily regret, but I I kind of sometimes feel a bit disappointed that that was the one thing that I didn't try harder with. That this one maths thing really stopped me from doing what I could have potentially been Mm -hmm. another
0: career. So where did you end up if teaching wasn't going to be the the destination?
1: I actually ended up just working for a university in an administration and it was kind of like a job that I didn't particularly hate but I wasn't like enthralled but I didn't love it but I love the people I love working where I can talk and where I can engage in like customer facing roles but before that I like applied for like reception positions in London like anything really to get by because as you probably know London's extremely expensive and whilst all my friends went off travelling I had to stay in the flat in London and I had to pay my bills and so I kind of tried to find jobs in in between like my final job in university and it was really tough because again I came up against people that looked down at me because I didn't fit the perfect receptionist image of working in like a high-end bank in London they wanted you to look a certain way to wear a certain thing and I would often leave um, interviews having been like looked up and down as if to say you don't really belong here and it was always really hard and like kept knocking my confidence constantly and constantly and having rejection from even charities I was just like this is just it would just made me feel really like disheartened and like again it all came back to me it made me feel like it was all image based and that if I just lost weight then maybe I would be successful
0: And you've told me a story before about something someone said to you in an interview for a receptionist position.
1: Yeah, they just basically said, like, you need to get some new clothes because, like, what you look like isn't going to work for us, basically. And that, you know, that's, they have a strict policy. And they basically suggested that if I didn't sort my image out, which my image, I remember all I wore was like a plain black pair of trousers and like a a black long sleeve t shirt. It wasn't, I wasn't in a skirt or like a blazer or anything. But it was really, again, it was really hard at that time, like, seven years ago to find plus size clothes that was professional office wear that was made me feel confident. I didn't have that option. There wasn't those kind of clothes out there at the time. And so, you know, it was hard to be basically looked down by somebody to say, you know, you're basically you're not thin enough to be in this office with us
0: at what point did you decide that you had a voice and that you were going to start speaking online well
1: originally my kind of presence online started in I guess from kind of a negative space after that point of feeling really disheartened about my life and where I was at and the fact that I hadn't been able to be a teacher and the fact that I hadn't been able to be an actress and it was just all you know I felt really like in a really dark place in my life and I kind of felt like at that point it had to be my weight and so I thought well, I have to lose weight everyone wants me to lose weight so Society wants me to lose weight, you know. I just wasn't happy, and I really believed that if I did, that I would become successful. And so I started an online um, blog called Slimming in the City. I thought I was Carrie Bradshaw, but like two hundred pound heavier. But it's fine. I loved my life, and I was like tapping away, thinking I was the greatest thing with this blog. But I felt like it was a very negative space. I. It was very self-deprecating the blog was all about how much I hated myself and how I needed to make these massive changes and I was putting images up of myself being like look how disgusting you look here and look how disgusting you look there and you know it was like the end goal was I was gonna somehow be like a caterpillar into this amazing butterfly that would come out and that all my problems would be gone and I would be successful and happy and actually that wasn't true and it caused a lot of anxiety for me writing a blog um, solely where I was trying to lose weight and like having to put it in front of an audience which if I didn't lose weight weight week to week I felt so responsible to and it just was really hard and um, I realized it was just like such a negative space Um, and so that was kind of how I began in blogging but during that period of time it was in the summer I had started it I had a holiday booked um, in the August to go away with my boyfriend who's now my husband um, to Barbados and I knew I had to find swimwear so I googled plus size swimwear into Google and I happened upon a blog in America called GabbyFresh.com I'm sure you know Gabby. Love Gabby. She's amazing Um, and so I found her blog and um, she was plus size she had just been working in the, um, the industry as like an MTV presenter she she was like a fashion journalist she was writing her like she was one of the really OG bloggers and she kind of had this amazing confidence about her and like her blog was all about fashion and plus size clothes and she would find ways to kind of like be stylish even when there wasn't options and I remember sitting and reading and reading these pages like three four hours I was in just reading these pages and I'd never seen anybody who looked like me who was so stylish confident happy and it was just like a an aha moment for me like why can this person be happy and successful and confident and I can't like why am I sat in like leggings and baggy oversized tops and trying to to diet and like prove to basically people that don't know or care about me that I'm losing weight and um, it kind of made me realize that I needed to change my mindset and so she had a link on her blog I remember it to this day it was like an electric neon pink two-piece and she was in Vegas and I, I bought a bikini a pl- like high-waisted bikini I took it to Barbados and I remember wearing it and then when I decided to change my blog one of my first posts was of me in a high-waisted bikini I'd never wore a bikini before in my life and I was petrified I remember shaking putting that first post up like no one can see me in swimwear this is like I was shaking but it was the most amazing experience because I had such positive feedback um on the new blog that I I skipped past that but I basically deleted this slimming in the city blog and started my own blog to a journey of confidence called from the corners of the curve so many pages guys forgive me but um from the corners of the curve so let's back up so you have slimming in the city which I got rid of and then did you still have that when you found Gabby after I found Gabby, that was what made me decide to get rid of that blog. It was kind of like that moment of this is not a good place to be in and it's not taking me anywhere. I'm not getting anywhere with it. You know, I can still, I can still want to lose weight and be healthy, but I don't need to have this blog that's like such a negative space. And so I started a new blog called From the Corners of the Curve, which was a, a place where I could kind of journey my road to confidence and share with other women who might have been in the same position as me where they hadn't wore fashionable clothes or they hadn't tried to do things they hadn't always a bikini or all these things and I thought why can't I try and do the same thing so that's how it started and so yeah one of my first posts was of me wearing a bikini and it was just so well received um so many women could relate they said how they had felt they weren't deserving of wearing swimwear how they'd never been to the beach before how they wouldn't even dream of putting swimwear on but seeing me in in the swimwear with similar body made them feel like they could and I just thought for a moment maybe you know what Gabby did for me maybe I could do for somebody else and so that was kind of how it began and it just really really went from there it it snowballed into something way bigger than I ever thought it could be. It's incredible to me
0: that this girl that you've never met that lives thousands of miles away can within just you know reading a few blog posts from her you've had a, a moment of clarity of what I'm doing is so negative. I can close this down. I can start something completely new. and when i when I hear your story and I think through whether it was the theater teacher or the the receptionist interview, these other places, these moments that people had an opportunity to pour into you and give you confidence. and then this was this was the moment that actually changed everything. yeah. And, and this woman has inspired you to the point of, of now you lead an entire community yeah. of people that are now inspiring others. And, and what it's so interesting, the way it ties back to your human studies, where I'm sure what you saw is that there's usually a single woman or a single man that's on the right side of history, but at, at yeah. the time is has a very unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. But then they ultimately change the world. And yeah. and really,
1: what happened with you and Gabby was that spark. Yeah, so, it was amazing. And like, I'm so lucky that I get to call Gabby a friend now. Actually, we just spent my 30th birthday in Palm Springs together, and an amazing other group of incredible plus size girls that I've made friends with in the influencer industry and she definitely like I always give her credit because I feel like people often forget like the original people that start these things and I always give her credit because she definitely helped set me on this path and you know I say that it isn't just me like anyone can do this anyone can start their blog and be that person or share their story and share their kind of experience and their niche and help someone else like it's it's kind of like a a positive wave and like once one person helps it can just it's a rolling effect and 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 anyone can do it so it's just yeah i really really am happy that i'm found gabby on the internet (laughs) so so you went
0: from posting a bikini shot to today obviously a wildly successful influencer and so tell me a little bit about that journey from from launching the new site to kind of where you got to today.
1: So after I I ran from the corners of the curve, it kind of kind of snowballed. I was started to get asked by brands if they could send me clothes. I was invited to do a professional modelling shoot with a brand called Evans that was a, is a UK plus size brand. And I did it with a designer duo called Clements Ribeiro, and it was really incredible. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And then as time went on, I kind of built that. Audience with and a readership on both my blog and Instagram when that first came around, where I would share my journey to confidence and style and ideas and. When I first got Reward Style, I'm also an original Reward Style girl. I like to say that. <laughs> um, Gabby and, referred you. Yeah, Gabby right. referred me, and so um, she was like, "Yeah, this is a great like affiliate link website. It's so easy to use, and it also was great because I could actually help people like me who couldn't find clothes. So I would do all of the work for people to find like and make it easier because I felt like there wasn't a space for girls like me to find clothes in their size that were fashionable and to kind of give people ideas of what to wear." And so From the corners of the Curve was like a really big chunk of the start of my career. But at one point I made the decision to take From the corners of the Curve over to just my name. So now my website is just com. I think I I felt like I wasn't just a blogger anymore. What started as just doing online blogging became me doing panel talks, speaking events, plus size modeling, Uh, you know, all sorts of things. I even did a TV show here in the UK. And so I felt like, I felt more mature, I felt like there was a change, and I just felt like Callie Thorpe was me, I was self-identified as myself, and kind of, it just felt like the next best step for me. And so it was all-encompassing, everything that I do, but also still that space, people could come and uh, find amazing clothes to wear, so. You don't just have Callie Thorpe, you also have other outlets. I do. I have many. (laughs) So I have Kellythorpe.com as the blog. I have my Instagram, which is just my name. I also have a page called The Confidence Corner, which is a page I created back in 2014 as a space where I could also share other women and not just myself and, like, share journeys and experiences to confidence themselves. Um, And it's a really inclusive space that kind of, pushes back against that traditional beauty standard view of what a woman or a, or a man or a, any any person, however they identify, should be. And so it's a very positive space that I like to use. And I also have another page called Wellness Our Way, which is a an inclusive wellness page that I run. It's, it's much smaller, but just a nice community to ch- try and, you know, um, share with people that feel like they don't feel included in the fitness or wellness industry. And and yeah, I guess I've, I've kind of done all these little bits and bobs everywhere just to, trying like keep building my community and having conversations and discussions and always pushing the boundaries and where where i feel like things aren't included like making a space so people feel like they have a space to come to
0: i think there's a valid business discussion here which we're starting to see in the market which is people who are what you call self-identifying and mm-hmm. so whereas you used to have from the corner to the curve now you now it's callithorpe.com and what we've seen actually play out is um there's very different business intention for each of those things right and so mm-hmm. what you're saying is i'm 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 a model myself. I do speaking engagements. I'm a television star. Mm-hmm. There's actually a place for fans of Cali Thorpe. And so that has really <laughs> become a you know, a destination in itself. And then you also have the confidence quarter and other things that are branded without your name. Yeah that are really businesses that you're able to even have other people run in the future if you want to and so this is a moment if you're thinking about your own site and what you should call it and maybe it was something with a cute color and a favorite flower or something Mm -hmm. from the the early days of blogging where everyone had very cute names there's still very much a place for that and I think what it sounds like Callie's decision was you know actually I become a public figure in my own and so I'm able to actually separate those businesses yeah
1: that's exactly what it was it was kind of creating that also for some reason I found it quite hard because from the corners of the curve was quite a mouthful so it, it felt like when people were searching for me it was difficult for them and they would often just search from the corner and there was a book that was called from the corner of the eye that people kept searching it was like one of my biggest search terms and people were just searching for my name and so yeah I think that was always a key thing of like when as a tip a little quick tip I give everyone is if you're thinking about starting a blog not with your name to always think of something that's quick and snappy because it helps people find easier having like a long drawn out name is difficult for making instagrams and everything and i I wanted a coherent space as well. I couldn't have like Callie Thorpe on Instagram from the corners of the curve there, conference corner. It just needed to be somewhere coherent. And so that was, you know, making it kind of more professional and to be taken seriously more as a, as a blogger, influencer, whatever way people like to identify that. I wanted to be taken seriously in the industry. So how long was it from when you started the new blog to being able to support yourself from the blog? So I've actually been blogging for seven years, but I actually signed with a management agency, I think end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And that kind of was where things really changed for me because I had... I guess, a team of people that, that came on board with me and were like, we can see the direction of your career and we can help build that for you. So I signed with Milk Model Management. Um, and so they created an influence division and they were really a key component in helping me source much bigger deals than I could ever source myself. I still worked whilst I also had this full-time blog. And even when I used to have my column with Marie Claire, I did that full-time and my blog full-time and had a full-time job. So I was juggling all these things and I needed some help and I I didn't know where or how I was going to get that help. And, you know, in hindsight, I wish I'd have left my job sooner because I think that would have been the right decision. But I made the choice at the time because, you know, I was trying to be, uh, you know, financially good and like save money and try and think, well, whilst you're young, you can you can juggle this. But it got to a stage of needing someone to help me. And so Milk have been really great in helping me source really amazing um, collaborations with brands and just developing me. And the one thing I find that's really helpful is like I... As mentioned, I don't like maths. I don't like numbers. I don't like discussing money. I'm definitely the face of my own brand. And when I deal with people face to face, PRs, anybody, I just love to have that genuine like relationship. And I find that I just prefer to offset the money discussions to someone else. And I that was how I felt most comfortable. And so they're really amazing in doing that. They have a legal team, they manage all my contracts. And it's just it's just very effortless and smooth. So it's really good to have that.
0: So through your journey so far, there's been these moments of just the, the point of inspiration that someone else showed you that it can be done. Yeah. There's a moment of, you know, I think being accepted to reward style from Gabby where you're able to then share clothing and things that yeah. uh, that help other people. You're signing with an agency. Were there other big moments? Because I can think of things in your career um, that were either big first. Tell us a little bit about those. Uh,
1: well... Back in 20, I think 2014, 2015, I became the first ever plus size fashion columnist um, for the UK for a, a column in Marie Claire, which I which I did for a year, which was really amazing experience. It was a complete fluke in the way that I had no previous experience working in the fashion industry, but I was sharing my fashion clothing and there just wasn't anybody doing it so um it was definitely a fake it till you make it situation and that's what I always tell everybody now I'm like you know what sometimes when you go into any job you're never going to know everything and that it's all about learning as you go and so that was an, an amazing experience and definitely something I always like still tag on and say remember guys I was the first best size fashion economist in the UK a little tagline I like to add everywhere and yeah that was an amazing opportunity and I think also one of my great achievements was you know being featured in lots of magazines just to be included but also one amazing experience I think was a feature I had in Vogue that was incredible I I was I I remember a follower of mine sending me a link and saying have you read this and I clicked onto it and it was like the title was the must-have bikini of the season and I was scrolling through and it was like Ashley Graham, Selena Gomez, Gigi Hadid, all these amazing models. And then I just saw myself and I was like, what? is happening I was just so shocked and I just was just I just couldn't believe it because obviously Vogue's this huge institution like is such a massive part of the fashion world and to be recognized by them and to be featured as you know an influencer just to be included not where it's even mentioned as a plus-size blogger or a plus-size influencer just this is the must-have bikini here's a plus-size person wearing it and it was like such an achievement for me because you know I really fight for inclusivity but I also love the idea of just being recognized just because of who I am like because of what I share and not necessarily because of my size and so that was an absolutely incredible experience and something I will always feel quite proud of so that was definitely a big career moment for me. So it's been about five years now
0: since you've been really kind of pioneering this space over here was there kind of a tipping point moment where it just became where you were just broadly accepted and kind of loved by the community or, or is it still a challenge?
1: I have the nicest community ever. I have, like, majority of my Instagram followers are are women. Like, I'm, like, huge. Like nearly 90% of my followers are women. So, you know, that was always really important for me. And I always have so much support. And what I love about the community I've built is that we actually have engaging conversations about all sorts of things. Like, you know, real-life experiences, um, fashion, travel... Like everything like home life just you know I share part of my life with my husband online and I just love that my community is so supportive and they just really root for me and they kind of like you know when anything ha- exciting happens to me I remember when I, I was on the cover of a magazine um, for a mental health magazine in the UK and it was in in every shop in the UK and I remember thinking I've just done a cover of a magazine and I had so many of my followers go out and buy this magazine and like tag me and be like oh I saw you in Tesco and I'm like oh my God, and they're just so supportive and loving, and like I think that's so important because what I wanted was to have a community where I felt like people could relate to me, and I don't want people to leave my page feeling like they need to be more or have more in life. I want them to feel like coming onto my page is like a warm hug. Someone said that, and uh they used that in the beginning, so I'll say it, but yeah, I just want people to feel like comforted and feel welcomed. So for those that aren't as
0: enthusiastic about the community, do you still have trolls or how do you deal with people?
1: I definitely do. Unfortunately, that's the negative side of being a person that puts themselves out there that is different. When I first started, there was definitely a pushback. There wasn't that many plus size women or men in the industry that were coming out and it was kind of a new industry in the UK. And so I've dealt with a lot of abuse over the years and it sometimes is really hard because there's all levels of a diff- different extremes and I actually after the Vogue feature I had to deal with quite a difficult time where I was you know exposed to some really dark stuff where I had you know people find my personal email send me abusive messages um, a lot of people didn't really agree with me being a Vogue they said that I was too fat to be in Vogue and that plus-size people shouldn't be allowed in magazines and you know just finding like really nasty ways to basically abused me i had to close then the comments on all my youtube channels and they just found like ways to just send me abuse and it was really difficult even when i think back to like times when i've had moments where i've shared online with my wedding like i once had someone like find a picture of my wedding dress and make awful comments saying i i look like i was a a white beach ball or i look like i just done the fat Greek wedding all over again and things like that things that you never think are going to happen that like really take away from special moments in your life and I've definitely changed like back in 2014-15 I really took it all on board and took it to heart um dealing with that time after the rogue incident I had to actually call the police during that really difficult stage in my life where I honestly was on the verge of leaving the internet and just going to work in admin again because I felt like it just was so awful and like the level of the abuse that these there was actually a group of men and that put me onto this horrible hate forum and the kind of ways that they were talking about me and dehumanizing me and saying the most awful things you could possibly think about and it was really hard to like get those thoughts out of my head and like having people say those things to you like you start to believe them after people say it to you so much you start to worry that that those things are true and just having to deal with that level of abuse no one should go through it I would never you know I'd never wish it on my worst enemy and so it did teach me that unfortunately nothing that you do in life n- not everyone's gonna like you and no matter what you do and like being somebody that speaks out you're always going to have pushback and it taught me that I just cannot let those people in and so one thing I did following that was making sure I put up a lot of blocks on my social channels. so I you know using the Instagram protection tool which is to block certain words out so you know I don't have any I don't have any swear words but people can't swear at me can't call me fat can't call me anything it just all you know all is blocked and um I think, for me, it was like, I know that they still exist and I'm still going to have to be exposed to that. But it's how I, like, set it up so that I get the least of it by protecting myself.
0: And Vogue had your back after that. They
1: did. They were really good. So they featured me in, like, all over the place. But it was like they, on Twitter, they, like, tagged, like, it was in British Vogue. And when they saw what went down after that, they actually invited me into Vogue House and, um in a weird twist of fate, after dealing with such a difficult ex- experience where I had to deal with the online bullying, it actually turned into a really positive thing. They invited me to write a byline for them, which was all about how to I deal with online bullying and online trolling. I was invited on the news to talk about it. And I actually did campaigns off of that with Facebook, a campaign I ran called Human Not Trolls, which was to refer to the idea that we can't keep referring to bullies online as trolls and separating them as these different entities when actually they're people with jobs and and lives and families and you know i obviously have to think like something dark's going on there for them that they have to feel the need to say those hurtful things but it's definitely been and something i still want to do is campaign for better action and protection for people who are dealing with image based abuse online because there isn't a lot of protection out there for people um especially when i actually did call the police there wasn't a lot they could do they basically said that I would have to wait until someone physically harmed me for them to be able to help me and that that was really like a shocking moment for me and I was like this is something I really want to change and I I now I realize that I cannot go silent and I cannot leave the internet because I have to be somebody for other people who are scared of being themselves and being who they are and you know not being accepted if I don't stand up and say like look this is this is wrong, then they won't feel like they have someone on their corner. And so if I can stay there and be that person for somebody and I can stand up and say, you can say all the things you want to me, you can put me on all the hate forums, you can call me names on every single brand I'm featured on, but I'm still going to keep posting and I'm still going to keep inspiring people and I'm still going to keep encouraging people to live their best lives and to be confident. And that in itself is the end win. That's the win in the end. If I'm helping someone else, then there's nothing they can do. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and yesterday you were featured on the Like to Know It handle.
1: I was.
0: It was beautiful oh. content. Your interiors, your husband, all of your fashion, and the community absolutely adored it.
1: They were so nice. I was just saying earlier, like, I love the fact that there was like such a positive response because, you know, there was definitely mentioned before by trying to see more plus size women on the Like to Know It page. And um, I shared an image which was on the Like to Know It page earlier this March during my birthday which was a group of my girlfriends in Palm Springs and it was so well received and and then people were saying we want to see more of this and so you lovely guys invited me to do a takeover and it was just so nice seeing all the comments. I feel like it's a really positive space. It's so different for me because usually when I'm featured on brand pages I still have to see those kind of not so nice comments and I can't hide away from everything. Unfortunately some things still show up but it was just nice to see a really supportive community of women that just really love fashion and they're just like it was like people were saying you look great I love that jumpsuit on you oh so great to see this um I would love to see more plus-size women here and it was just so just so nice and it made me realize that actually there are so many amazing women uplifting other women and that's that's what it's all about for me it's like um, empowered women empower women yeah I just thought it was just a really nice lovely experience to be part of. Kelly you've achieved so
0: much and for people listening it's like wow in five years is in Vogue and has a byline and a TV show in these multiple sites and she has a great relationship with her husband. Um, it, it all actually, it looks super, super sparkly, but I'm sure there's still things that you're still learning and still achieving. So oh, what's on your mind lately that you're just uncovering and discovering for your business? Well,
1: I guess... Ultimately, I wanted the space to be kind of a realistic space where people could feel like, yes, I'm doing all these amazing things and I can inspire someone to feel like they can do the same. But ultimately, they can also feel like they can relate to me. But I'm still like learning so much. I'm still just I'm just stepping into the traveller um, influencer area. I have did my first major trip earlier this year to India. Um, and I've just, you know, I'm I'm kind of stepping into that arena where I feel kind of out of my depth so it's it's new and I love traveling and I'm really kind of proud to like Represent people and say that, look, traveling is for everybody. It's not just for one type of person, and that, you know, you don't have to look like the perfect person on the beach in the Maldives to enjoy travel. And so, especially with plus size women who actually message me and say that they are scared to go traveling because of like how they look and how they'll be received, and, or, you know, even just taking a flight, like it's a very anxious experience for somebody, especially when they have to deal with, you know, backlash from people who aren't very kind and so if I am doing it and saying look I can do it you can do it it's like I definitely want to step into that arena it's it's a learning curve it's hard work traveling and trying to manage businesses and trying to manage a, a marriage and you know all the things in between but I'm absolutely loving it um and I just really also need to like kind of eventually get an assistant and someone to help me because i do it all by myself and i'm like sometimes i struggle and i'm not the best when i get back to my email so sorry to everyone who's listening that's ever emailed me and i'm two days late but um i just yeah i need to get some support and you know there's so many things i want to do with the business i want to start my own podcast i really want to run with the confidence corner and make it more successful maybe eventually start workshops with it about helping other women in- with confidence and you know how we can do that in within the fashion industry and just yeah make a space where people can feel like they feel welcomed and not not included
0: from a, from a business tactic standpoint you mentioned to me you're kind of thinking about your imagery different today
1: I find that I'm as a person, I'm kind of in between like the really aesthetically pleasing, aspirational image and the realistic. I sit somewhere in between. But I also like to mix up, you know, beautiful imagery of me in stylish clothes on shoots and traveling away. But also like showing my real side of life, like me in my pajamas, in my pants or whatever. Um eating cereal (laughs) so um I kind of like to mix that up and show people that there's two sides you know everything that everyone puts up online is it's the it's their best part of their life and that's so great and like whatever way you choose to run your your page is important but I definitely want to make the space kind of feel both aspirational but realistic and make people feel like they can see both sides of me for that
0: if someone was starting
1: their influencer
0: business today what would you tell them
1: as I mentioned with the tip earlier, is if you're thinking about not doing your name, think about a name that is something that you feel passionate about, that will stick, that makes sense and is coherent. But also um, find a niche. Ultimately, there is a space for absolutely everybody. And I think what is so amazing about the influencer industry, the blogging industry and this kind of world that we have basically created from scratch that didn't exist before, is that it's it's about storytelling and it's about sharing your personal life and your own story and using that in a positive way so whatever that might be for you whether it's your whether you love plus size fashion whether you're a petite uh, person that wants to share petite fat fashion whether you're a tall person that wants to share all the best tall you know it. there's so many options out there you can talk you can be a mum and talk about what it's like to be a mum and absolutely everything there's so many areas and interests people would want to find out um, from other people and want to feel like they're part of the community and I think that is really what is the core of it all is building community it's not about being an influencer just to get free stuff and it's not about being an influencer just to have notoriety and just be seen as somebody I think what is beautiful in having a page and having a presence is having a community where people can relate and they can feel like when they see you or see your page or whatever they can feel included and want to kind of yeah and just and just feel inspired by you well that's definitely what i feel i always find like i think the term influence is still very not 100 percent everyone's on board with it and I even to myself struggle with it because I if I'm going to influence anybody it has to be for me influence of purpose I don't want to influence people just to just for the sake of it I want people to be, feel like when they're influenced by me it's because they're influenced to be confident they're influenced to be happy to to feel like they can do anything and I don't want them to leave my page thinking I wish I had more money I wish I had better a better house or I wish I had a better husband I don't know but I just want people to feel like they can achieve just as much um because i definitely feel feel like if i told 16 year old what she'd be doing now like i would not imagine myself being in this position so i use my position and my job as definitely as privilege i'm very lucky i'm so grateful for everything i've done and all the brands i get to work with especially ones that want to come on board with me and do change maker things and actually push the industry forward and include more people like especially when i did a reward style campaign with nike And it was amazing because I was one of the first people with some other plus-size influencers um, to help launch their plus-size activewear. And it's just... It's so nice to be on the right side of history like you said earlier and like actually being part of something much bigger than we think it is and you know we need to see more of that not just with Nike but with all brands like all brands extending their clothing lines including everybody so they feel welcomed because the plus size industry is a billion dollar industry and there's money to be made for people out there and people want to shop and they deserve to feel nice in clothing so you know it's definitely something that you know is positive so
0: You're also modeling for us
1: publishing cross-platform. So what can we find
0: on your Like to Know It page?
1: Well, I've just started posting. I'm just going to be starting to post some more of my homeware at home because I've just moved. I moved into a flat last year and I've been doing a lot more interior bits. So you can find a lot of hopefully homeware bits, but also a lot of plus-size fashion. I really feel like what I want to create on that app is a place where people can find stylish plus size clothing options that they wouldn't necessarily know how to find because like I said previously there is um, a Marie Care column my friend Hayley runs that column now um, so it's a great place for people to find if they are using magazines but there isn't that many magazines out there covering plus size fashion and so I really use the app to kind of show people ideas of how to style items what I wear and what I find comfortable and you know like even like little edits of the best pesticide dresses and um, the best you know jumpsuits and you know how i wear that and how people can feel like they can see themselves in me wearing that so it helps inspire them to feel more confident
0: kelly thank you for joining us and you can follow kelly at kelly thorpe pretty much everywhere yeah. online including <laughs> the like to know it app we're so inspired by you and thank you for being such thank a, you for a bright me. spot and it's such a warm hug to the influencer thank community i've loved it <laughs> Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Follow Callie for the best of Like to Know It Curve content from all around the world and get inspired by her self-love journey in the Like to Know It app at Callie Thorpe. In listening to this podcast, I hope you find your people, the ones with backgrounds, circumstances, and dreams just like you, and that their stories empower you on your own journey. Are you ready to binge Influencer Radio? Flip back to season one for nine more episodes and be sure to hit subscribe because we have a lot more coming your way. Continue to follow along with all of our guests, all in the Like to Know It app. Their handles are listed in the description box of each episode. Do you have the app? The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of the real influential people who actually use those products. We've indexed the millions of Like to Know It influencer posts and made them all searchable and shoppable for you in one place. Is your mind blown? Download the free Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play and start searching today. Let's go shopping.